Hey, I'm Jules. And I'm Megan. And this is Lasting Looks. We take you behind the scenes of pop culture's most iconic looks. This week, we talked to Deborah McGuire. Deborah has had such a huge career as a costume designer. Her credits include Anchorman, New Girl, Bad Teacher, Heroes, Superbad, and Knocked Up, just to name a few. But we wanted to talk to her about one of the biggest TV shows of all time, Friends. Oh my gosh, Duels, definitely one of the biggest shows and one of my favorite shows of all time. This really opened my eyes to the career of costume design. And I still watch this show every single night before I go to bed. Let me tell you, my family is obsessed with this show. We can quote it back and forth to each other all night long. And there's a whole new generation watching this show because of streaming. There's even an Instagram account that I'm super obsessed with. It's called Every Friend's Outfit. They just post every friend's outfit. It's so great to see how people are still really excited about the fashion that was on that show and all the costumes and that account has such a huge following. And so it just really shows how much interest there still is in that show today. Here's our interview with Deborah McGuire. Hi. Hi. Well, it's so nice to meet you girls. And I'm so sorry. This internet is just, I hope it doesn't mess us up, but Oh, okay. it's okay. That's we'll, okay. We'll make it work. We're so excited that you were able to do this. This is so fun. So a personal <laughs> story that I want to share with you that the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing is because of you. When I was in I was seven and I started watching Friends and maybe it was like season two. I said, I want to dress Jennifer and I want to dress Rachel. I want to dress Jennifer <laughs> Aniston on Friends. And I put that in my middle school yearbook as my future job of what I wanted to do. And I mean, obviously I'm not dressing her in French, but I'm working in TV and film and doing costumes. And I have known your name in my life for 25 years. I don't know very many people's names for 20, I can say <laughs> in my brain for 25 years. And you are one of them because I, every time would see it on the start in the credits and I would say, that's what I want to do. And people are like, that's not a real job. You know, people say that about our jobs all the time. Like, they don't know they what don't it know is. They don't know this is a yeah. real job until you come, until you start looking into it. So I've said your name to myself every day for 25 years, as creepy as that sounds. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, my little kids. It's making me cry, actually. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. And to this day, people always said, what do you want to do when you're little? And I said, I always say exactly that story. I say, if you look at my middle school yearbook, it says, dress people on friends. Cause my, and I would tell my mom every episode, I actually just gave myself chills. Uh, I say, mom, look what she did. That person's in green and that person's in orange <laughs> and they're fighting. So I think she made that decision intentionally. And my mom would be like, probably I would try to explain costumes, but like, and cause it's such a cool costume show where it's not, you're of the times. No one was dressed to co- everyone fit what their roles were. So reading into it as like, I seriously was seven years old, reading into it as a seven year old, I was like, wow, that's so cool. But to this day, I still watch it and I say, wow, I'm now 33. I'm like, wow, she did that. That's so cool. So you've taught me a lot. And, <laughs> and I want to thank you so much for like putting me on my path. So just to start, sorry to start. With- <laughs> well, we're all crying in the first <laughs> minute. Well, thank you. It's the best way to start because 
Because what you have to understand is for me, nothing is really worth it unless there's some aspect of inspiration. And, you know, I always, you know, I started friends, my, my son was five, my daughter was born three days before I started. And so, um, you know, my work and my life was always kind of about wanting to be inspiring to both my family and to other people. And um, friends was such a funny thing because, you know, where there were things that caught on that like the tight crop t-shirts, things that I was sort of embarrassed about because I was trying to be a role model and I didn't really feel like I was, setting the best examples of the things that sort of had caught on and, um, and I'm raising a young daughter. And so there were those kinds of challenges. And I always have been trying to counterbalance. Like I wrote a book actually um, when my daughter was about 13, um, which I never published, but it was kind of about what inner beauty is, what it's about to be really beautiful, that being really beautiful isn't about, the way we look on the outside. And it's about how, as young people, are we able to develop our interior world to, ex to express beauty? And, um, and I, 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 my life is kind of predicated on that. And so when I hear inspiration, like what you shared in such a positive way, um, it makes me feel so good that I could touch someone and put them on a career path or do something that was um, really important. And, and, and that's really important to me. Um, that's did. why, I don't know if you know this, but I always meet with young people. And uh, I used to do, um, when I had an assistant who is now a costume designer, cool. very esteemed, very cool. but when she was my assistant, she, um, would org we'd get so many emails. I mean, it was overwhelming of young people who had questions or wanted to meet me or whatever. And so she would put things together. We'd do like once a month at my house, I'd invite like a dozen people to come and we'd sit around and, and talk about, you know, questions and stuff. So anyways, and you know, my inspiration, I don't know if you read about this, but when I was seven years old, I used to read Millie the Model comic book. And on Millie the Model comic book, you could send in designs. So I sent in a design and it got published and it said, designed by Debbie K. Fine. And it was in print in the comic book. And so at seven, I knew I was a designer. That is that's, so cool. I mean, it was, that, that was it. That's what my life was. So, so it was cool because, you know, my parents really supported that. Um, but then we hit 1968 and there was Vietnam War, civil rights, Kent State, and I suddenly didn't feel like it was right to be involved in a career that had to do with sort of external beauty and dressing, and um, I was quite rebellious, and um, decided after I finished art school that I was going to get my teaching degree, because I felt like education was the only salvation that we had at the time to make this country better. Interestingly enough, you know, it's 45 years later and the educational system is basically in the exact same position. 
than mm. it was then, which is very sad. Um, but I gave it a good shot. You know, I taught in an, on an Indian reservation in Northern California. I taught in the Oakland public schools. But um, I realized that the 23-year-old me with braids down to my waist was not going to change the system and that it had to come from the inner city itself. So I moved on to uh, become a fine artist and then stumbled into doing costumes, basically. It's crazy so. that you do know, like, what you, your passion when you're little, though, did always find its way back. Like, I studied law in college and I graduated. And I was like, I still want to try that, though. I still want to go back to the to the costume. I still want to go back to that passion I had when I was seven years old and writing in my yearbook that I want to do this. Like it kind of always kind of finds its way. Like it, I don't know, it kept creeping back. (laughs) So it really is. It's so interesting. And I mean, I find it kind of really fascinating that I'm working with Jennifer Aniston now, you know, it's like, it's bizarre. It's just bizarre. You know, that, um, I have these two adult real children and then I have another adult child who is Jennifer and um, how crazy that it went full circle that she's back in my life in such a big way. It's like, truthfully, I don't think they really knew I existed. She looks fabulous on the morning show, by the way, you know, I love that show and she look her. She looks good. She looks very <laughs> good. Yeah. She is very, um, classic she's so attracted to avant-garde and loves the way i dress and but really she um she stays pretty much in her lane in her comfort zone which is just classic elegance um so it's kind of you know it, don't be looking for me to take her in any um do you think that's far off directions because you know it, it's going to stay pretty much in the lane has that been the same since episode one of friends or do you think like you created that idea for her or do you think that's always been her core like where did that because it showed through friends the whole time she did have that classic elegance throughout it's true but I think she really she's educated on everything Jennifer do you know what I mean like right she has never been in public as you know without being the most fabulous one Mm -hmm. so she's become she has a phd in jennifer aniston (laughs) basically yeah you know what i mean she has mastered jennifer aniston that's been really her mastery and um it's very interesting i mean that she's really been you know because i'm sure there's been influences from all over when you're a celebrity you know to try this and do this but she walks out on that red carpet every single time and is a home run in her lane. And that, if you look at every other celebrity, there's nobody. You're so right. That's done that. And it's interesting because, you know, she was, 20, she was 24 years old when I met her. Mm-hmm. And she invited me over to her house to go through her closet and sort of throw stuff away and help her kind of, you know, have more fashion consciousness because she was very bohemian and cut off jeans and t-shirts and, you know, really comfort girl. And, um, and I remember the day that I went to her house, her best friend, Andrea, who's still her best friend um, was there. And they were just, you know, I I have a 26 year old daughter right now. So I I know what it's like to, to be with those girls, you know, so she, they were 24 years old and they had, they were just kind of figuring out the world and how they wanted to look and fashion and shopping. And 
I was with Jennifer at Fred Siegel when she bought like the first really expensive thing she ever bought. And I remember it was like, oh my God, it's so expensive. So beautiful. You know, yeah. that was 26 years ago. Right. So she developed a very sophisticated uh, taste level and knows exactly what she looks best in. Yeah. She's like the epitome of the classic style. Like when I think of someone who's classic and timeless, like everything she wears, when I look at it, it just lasts throughout time. Like I never look at something and say it's too trendy or it's too, it's always. And it fits perfectly. Yes. She perfectly fitted classic looks. And I love it so much. Perfect. So starting, let's talk starting season one. Even on friends, you guys would die if you saw what was here in my (laughs) office. You will not believe it. Oh my gosh. Don't scream. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I I have all the. No. Oh my God. You do not. I have every. So cool. I have every fitting one. No, they're all here. They're all here. That's every incredible. So often, every so often, I post one on my five and um, people go completely berserk. Oh, they go I... crazy. So you saved them from the beginning. You must have known you, you knew. needed to keep you knew. these. No, but you have to remember, it's one of the first things I really did. And I'm an artist and I save everything. You should see my studio on the East Coast. I mean, I have been making art out of fitting photos. Um, I'll send you a piece that I finished last summer where I cut up like a thousand fitting photos into little tiny pieces and did a mosaic, a a six foot by four foot woman in mosaic out of fitting photos. So I'm re- in my fine art world, I'm refurnish. I'm, I'm taking all the old scripts and research and everything from my whole career of 30 years and shredding and weaving and cutting and pasting and redoing it. This is the it. coolest so thing. I, How cool is so that's, that? That's what I'm doing for the rest of my life. So I'm like fascinated by this because of the fact that, especially now because of COVID, we have switched everything. Everything we're doing right now is digital. So there's never going to be a physical. We don't. We don't even get physical scripts, scripts anymore. Sides, we don't get anything. sides. We don't. We don't do any of our um, continuity photos that way anymore. They're all just existing digitally, and I'm sure eventually deleted. So it's very interesting to think about. You have these amazing fitting photos from friends, and that shows from this point on we'll never have that opportunity to have like yeah. that physical piece of history history and also those are so cool <laughs> i mean those are so cool i you know that's really interesting i don't think i ever thought about it in context like that um yeah i mean i saved everything yeah, <laughs> and shipped everything to the east coast that's very so. cool so did you have any idea at the beginning how big the show was going to end up being like when you were like season one episode one did you think it would be something that we'd still be talking about today no no <laughs> no nobody did nobody did you know what happened in fact people weren't even watching it and they were like oh those three guys they all look alike like what what, what that show looks like what what happened was that summer after the first episode, first season, Mm -hmm. they did reruns that summer. And that's when everyone watched it. Okay. So when we came back in the fall of season two, it was like, 
what happened. It was like, uh, it, it was hard to imagine that there was such an explosion. That's but kind of- yeah, not definitely not at the beginning. So was there anything that, because the show started seeing Rachel in a wedding dress, did you ever think it was going to end with having to design another wedding dress for her? Like where would her second wedding dress have gone if you had to do it again? Like if she ended you know up marrying what? Ross? You guys are customers. So I get the, asked these questions all the time, but I think you will understand it more than most people will. And that is when you do a show, you are at the center of the cyclone. So Mm -hmm. your consciousness of the outside world is very insulated. So you're working your ass off. You're not even breathing. I mean, and I've got a family to raise on top of my intense work schedule. Whoever thought, I never thought about anything, uh, anything except what I was creating at that minute. That's so true. That's Um, exactly how it goes. (laughs) The world outside, even when it became popular, the only thing I noticed was that I kept getting calls to do interviews and stuff, which was just annoying um, constantly. And, you know, the fan stuff started, you know, to snowball. But that was, we were so insulated from that. I mean, I could care less about the outside or I was just making art and trying to like, Fair enough, because yeah, that's so true. So I know that's of, not probably the answer that you would like, but no, that's the no, that's such a true, real answer. You know? That's such a real answer, do. and I do get it. I mean, not. I mean, we're not working on a show like that, but it's you're you're just so like in think it. about the show that you're on. It's like you do you do day in, by day. You're, you're like, in it. Okay, you are yeah, so in it. it, and I and I always say scene that I describe scene. it that right. way, where I'm like, when I go back to work, I'm just like. You, you're, it's like a little bubble and you don't even, I, I mean, I get to the point too, cause you know, the schedule's so busy where I'm, I'm not even watching the news. I barely know what's going on in the world and not in a way to be ignorant, but more just because like I eat, yeah. breathe, sleep, working on the show. So I can understand where you're saying that you, you know, it's a day to, and it's like episode by episode, day to day kind of thing where you're not, you are not thinking like, you know, well, way also, down the line. They don't give you like that far in advance of what you have to do. I feel like yeah. we, get, we get a script and we say, oh, we're doing that tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it changes. We know it changes and rewrites and all these things. And I'm sure that the writers from the beginning that didn't yeah. necessarily know where the characters were going. And if you're saying that they didn't know how big the show was going to be, then they're not planning for the true, character totally way down the line. So, and it's probably more exciting to just like be in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you grow with it versus... I'll, I'll tell you what, what... Exactly. I think what was genius about our writers is they tuned into the essence of who these people really were, both personally and character-wise, and really wrote and spoke to that. They really spoke to that aspect that made them unique because they in many ways manifested who they really were as people, even though you would never point that out to them. I mean, you would never say, Oh, Courtney, you're anal, just like your character. You know, <laughs> they would like, they didn't think they were anything like their characters. You know what I mean? But the truth is the essence was very much 
close to the heart of who they were. So I think that's why it was so successful because I think that's a really, that's a gift to be able to do that as writers and they were gifted. But I'll tell you what I think is the most interesting thing. And, and as costumers, you are the only ones that can appreciate this. So here we are in the first, oh my gosh, probably first four years and the writers just loved writing scenes and blah, blah, blah. And we'd get a script with like nine and 10 script days for a 30 minute episode. <laughs> okay. So mm-hmm. do the math. Mm-hmm. That's 90 costumes to be created from Monday and pre when we get the script and read it to Thursday when we pre shoot. Okay. Oh my God. The only time we ever got an early script ever was maybe for a flashback and maybe for a Thanksgiving episode. And maybe that was four or five days in the week prior. Okay. So in the first three years, I mean, this was kind of a new career to me. I'm a designer. I thought, well, I have to make everything right. I'm a designer. I mean, I'm not going to shop. I'm not a shopper. (laughs) So in the first three years, I really tried to make as much of those clothes as possible. But it was like, first of all, you have people who don't want to have a fitting. You can't really custom make clothes if you're not having fittings. So it was like pulling my hair out constantly and like, you know, uh, designing a wedding dress, making a wedding dress, but making sure I shopped for the wedding dress in case the fitting didn't fit the dress, then they'd have to wear the one I bought rather than the one I made. And it was like that for everything. And it was like, I, I mean, I look back and think about those numbers and I don't know how it's physically and humanly possible. My palms are sweating. And what happened was I remember when Glee came out, I watched it for the first time and I went, that designer knows what I'm talking about. And I wrote her a fan letter. It was Lou Ehrlich. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is Deborah McGuire. I just have to tell you, I can't believe what you're doing. It's genius. It's amazing. I know that it feels impossible, but you're pulling off, you know, the impossible. Amazing. Yeah. And we've of course been friends ever since, but it's, it is fascinating what we do you know, and the way we do it and how we do it and how we pull off, you know, we never say no, no, just figure it out. And I think what I love about customers that every customer has a needle in the haystack mentality, you know, you tell them what to find and they find it, you know, and remember before the internet, and I don't even know if you guys were customers, then you had to drive around and find it. Yes. You had to drive around to 50 places to find something. It was, now you can yeah. get on the internet and have Amazon send you, you know, 50 things. Chances are, you know, you'll find something. But then it was like, oh my God. And I love customers because, you know, you can't, no one can just be a customer. It's like, you have to have that quality. And I was so lucky because I had businesses you know, so I had the store and I had all these businesses. So I hired so many people that I'd go, oh, she's gonna, she would be a great customer or she would be a great, or he would be a great customer. And then I would develop them and they would stay with me and then become a PA. And then I'd move them onto the other side and they would work on a show and boom, 
that's why I have the same people who have worked for me forever. So um, that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> costuming, it's so hard to describe our jobs to people because you're just like, you just make, you have to make things happen and you get yeah. asked and you just smile and nod in the back of your head. You're going, you go figure it out. Oh, I think it's God. an incredible, and I talk about this all the time, ever since I've been working as like a PA and then a costumer, I think the life skills that you gain from it are incredible because anybody asks me something in the outside world now. And it's like, if someone asks me for something, I will make it happen. I will have a backup and then I'll have another backup plan. Like I will have every, like, if that restaurant doesn't have reservations, then I have three more backups and I have all these suggestions. It's like cross-referenced and all. And everybody looks at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, but did I get it done for you? And if it doesn't work out, do I have a backup plan for us? Yes, I do. And it's the costumer mentality. It really is. It's such a great lifestyle. Yeah, I get in my car and I have plan A, but then I have plan B in the trunk. And then, (laughs) yeah, like you always have a backup. You always have a plan. And if someone asks you for something, you figure it out. And if everything, if all plans get, shot to shit, we'll say you, you are rolling with the punches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it's a, I think it's good life skills to be a customer. Yeah. So, it's exhausting, but yeah, it is exhausting. It is. It's <laughs> exhausting to be up here in my head, but <laughs> I make things happen. Oh, the flashback episodes. So you were saying sometimes you had a little bit more time to prepare for those. Is there anything in particular that they, that you did to prepare for the flashback since you were doing, you know, 80s clothing or yeah you're building a character backwards backwards yeah well first of all you have to remember I lived through all these eras so uh I didn't have to do much research (laughs) you know some of the people that work for me had to do some research but you know I don't have to do research on the 50s 60s 70s 80s 90s yeah we would just you know do some research and sort of come up with some concepts that we thought were great and uh and then do it I love those. And, you know, we had Marta Kaufman, who was one of our executive producers, and she was really involved in the costumes. So when we did rack check every week and she was she was my go to in terms of, you know, because sometimes when you do a comedy as costumers, you know, we're so into like preparing and that the writers are trying to hit on a joke like it's about the word and the way it hits comedically and I'm not sure that I really understood that exactly, interpreting that into what, how it would be visually. So she would sort of walk us through that, you know, as we do rack check and in terms of like whether the color could be distracting to the punch or do you know what I mean? Right. And um, she was really beneficial to sort of really sort of rounding out the the essence of the scene so that we were supporting the writing and the humor to the best of our ability, um, which is not a natural thing really for me to do because I'm so visual. So, right. um, so that was great. And I learned a lot. Did you like doing the like on the nose comedy, like the holiday armadillo kind of <laughs> costumes? Were those fun? <laughs> oh, my I mean, I lived, I lived for all you know, you live for the specialty stuff. And that was just, that was so great. And we worked with a guy named Doug White, who was just, he was just brilliant. And um, that he could like create these things. Like, you know, he'd only have maybe 10 days to articulate these things, which seemed impossible. Um, 
So yeah, it was great. And, and I love collaboration. So I love when I have to collaborate with someone who's, you know, actually doing the building or um, that's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. And then, so we did kind of a, we asked around, we said, we're, you know, we're talking about friends. We're so excited. And what is the first, a lot of people were the first thing costume you think of when you think of friends and everyone for the most part said, Joey's, could I be wearing anywhere? That, <laughs> could I be wearing any more clothes? <laughs> and yeah. a lot of people are like, how did they do that? That was a great garment to build. And I'm sure as customers, you know that that's just all one piece mm-hmm. and you enter it from the back. And uh, don't think I haven't done that 15 times since on movies. And uh, it's it was right. a, a great learning process. So I've used that technique many times. I even did, I think on Speechless, I did a costume for um, Mini Driver that I built exactly the same way. Um, and then, you know, Balenciaga did the $9,000 yeah. coat. That is so cool. I saw that you posted it so on your Instagram, was- Instagram and I was like, that is so interesting because that, and it kind of ties into like our theme of what we were talking about in this podcast is just like these, you know, designers like you create these looks and the pop culture impact that they have. I mean, that they're making something like that all these years later, they're still thinking about that moment in a costume. I don't know if you saw the article last weekend. There was an article in the Financial Times London Financial Times, this big an article about Chandler's look setting the tone for men in, in the world in the way they dress. And I was like, a friend of mine who I ride bikes with said, hey, there's this article about you in the Financial Times. I'm like, well, what? <laughs> so then I remember doing the interview. And I think at the time, because it was during COVID, I, I think I didn't really realize it was the Financial Times. <laughs> um, but how cool is that? I was like, okay, that is crazy because they're saying that because of COVID and comfort that people are wanting to have more oversized guys want oversized shirts and pants and vests. And I was like, okay, because the truth is you guys, that character was so dorky. If you ask me, I mean, he wore hush puppies. I mean, those clothes were like, I would, I mean, if my husband had dressed like that, (laughs) it was a character. Right, right. They all were, you know, so it's just, it's funny. And and it's funny because like Monica's clothes at the time were kind of the most normal, you know, they were sort of classic kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. straight ahead. And they got the least amount of attention. But now (laughs) they've become sort of the quintessential kind of it, it, which right. wardrobe, which is so interesting um, because at the time it was just, that was sort of a, a classic kind of look right. and Phoebe was, you know, vintage bohemian, you know, and, and Rachel was the most fashionable. And so you it's interesting what, you know, your podcast about lasting looks is that it's so hard to know. I mean, I remember uh, when my daughter, who's your age, started wearing 80s clothes. Let me just say, 80s clothes were horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. The there was not everything. A, so I was doing business. I was doing business in Japan in the 80s. 
And so I only wore Japanese designers. I wouldn't be caught dead in those clothes. They were, I mean, Steven Sprouse was pretty interesting because he took mm -hmm. that like to a whole other level in New York, but it was the ugliest clothes you've ever seen. The fit was ugly. And, fit was and remember, you know, when we, we started Friends in 94, mm -hmm. which seems like it's the 90s. But really, if you look, the 80s really lasted till 95. Yeah. I mean, we didn't start getting rid of shoulder pads until then. You know what I yeah. mean? It really, it bled into the 90s at big time. So when I started Friends, I hated the looks. So I tried, that's why I wanted to do more body conscious, you know, because on TV, first of all, Big clothes look horrible. Right. Yeah. And you've got beautiful girls. Like, of course you want to show their bodies. So I started with, you know, more body conscious for the girls. And then I moved into the guys. But um, clothes were not like that in the stores. We were altering down to the nth degree. Every piece of clothing Jennifer put on her body was altered. Whether it was a t-shirt, okay, maybe not a sock, but everything else. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, their fits were incredible, especially you're right with the times having things fit so perfectly. That was that definitely because there's a big early it, 90s yeah. difference between late 90s. Yeah, for sure. Fit, for sure. For sure. Well, and if you look at other TV shows, 1994, those clothes do not look like the clothes on Friends. They no. fit differently. And it was all about fit. Yeah. And I realized that, like, how am I going to make this look different? Thinking now, it's like, yeah, they all... They just looked of the time, but simple, but fit perfectly. Yeah, you're But that's so interesting because then it's it's what you did that impacted fashion as a whole. People saw that. Because they liked people it. saw that and it looked good. So that changed silhouettes for the late 90s, for well, sure. It was, it was interesting. There was an article in the New York Times, like around, probably around 1996, that talked about the impact that friends had on the fashion world. And I was contacted then by the fashion director at Henry Bendel's mm -hmm. and hired to do a collection of clothes for the store at the time. And um, that's kind of when my career exploded on the other side, my business side, mm -hmm. because um, it was sort of acknowledged as a, a driving force for fashion. So I, designed a lot in the, in, in for like from 96 to 2000, um, outside of friends and, and, and the world. Yeah. I think costume designers, the credit that they should get for like creating bits of history is so cool. Like people don't even realize it. That's, they, that's a big part of why we're doing what we're doing. Cause I realized, you know, everybody should know all these designers names because there's so many costume designers that have had such an impact or even stylists that have had an impact on pop culture as a whole. And they have these huge memorable moments. And we were even talking about, you know, people dressing up like these characters for Halloween for years and years and years. They're wearing and what's in your brain. What was in your on brain. The streets, yeah. uh, we're in Chicago, on the streets of Chicago, out and about. And they don't even realize that that was because you created something that they want to dress up as 20 something, 30 years later. It's so cool. It's the coolest part. Yeah. It's interesting. How does that make you feel to see the impact that you've had? It, 
It makes me feel good. I have to tell you the greatest compliment I ever got was uh, I'm friends with Tom Ford's um, husband. And um, he wrote me a couple of years ago during Christmas and said that they were sitting and watching friends and Tom wanted me to know that the wardrobe held up beautifully. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe Tom Ford just wanted me to know that the clothes held up beautifully. I was like, okay, that was probably the best compliment I ever got. Oh my that's gosh, a that's good amazing. Compliment. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't get much he, better than that. He's not wrong. <laughs> wow. So I couldn't cool. believe it. I just and the idea of the two of them watching Friends every night, that was the greatest image, right? I love that. I, I, love I that. watch Friends every night. <laughs> so does my daughter. She didn't then. Yeah. But she does now. It's funny. It's funny because she she's in Spain, and um, she, it just makes her feel comfy at, at night. Like she'll just watch yes. an episode. And it's very happy. comforting show. I, I had a this is a little tangent. I had a few little health issues the last few years. I had a few brain surgeries, and I would leave. And the only thing I'd want to watch is friend because I feel it calms me. I know them. They're like my. They're my friend. Like I feel, because anything else you put on, I it would start stressing out. You feel, you get excited or whatever. And friends, I just feel, ah, this is okay. Like I every safe. night, and it's I still safe. still watch it every night before I go to sleep. It's like my bedtime routine, and yeah, it's a safe show. I feel good. It's pleasing to look at. Uh, like it's fun and still makes you laugh, even though you've seen it a hundred yeah, times. Yeah, it's like my cozy blanket. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know it's it's really cool and. My daughter told me that all of her friends in Spain learned English from watching Friends. And I think that's, I've heard that all over the world, that um, that's how people learn English. What an incredible. That is, yeah, that is incredible. Incredible. But also so cool that you were a part of that yeah. incredible history that had, was created. Yeah, it's, it's just funny. You know, here's the thing. So I was thinking about this the other day. Like, how weird is it to think that I mean, I'm almost 70. So it's like, I'm not going to be alive that much longer. So it's like, how weird is it that my legacy after all that I've done in my life <laughs> that was so important is going to be designing friends? Like, it's kind of bizarre and not anything that I would imagine would be the case. But it's a very funny thing to think about because I would like to think that I've done other things in my life that were more artistic, more powerful, more uh, influential, but it's when it comes down to it, that's sort of the reality. And it's, it's bizarre. That is bizarre, but it's interesting because you don't realize that like this thing that you're creating is going to live on for so long. You're just doing something you enjoyed every day doing their best work exactly. every day. And then all of a sudden it's like the impact, yeah. just like everything about that show just hit people and it sticks with them. And it makes, like you said, makes them feel safe and comforted and they still think it's funny and maybe it brings back good memories for them or something. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. That is what I think is so fascinating about pop culture in general is just to, to study like what sticks with people. And there's, you know, yeah. that show is special and it sticks with people. And I think I think that's awesome because yeah. it makes people yeah. feel good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'll tell you another thing that I think is interesting that might be interesting for you girls to research is that, you know, starting in the late 80s and early 90s, I feel like the photographers who were sort of at the beginning of MTV and 
avant-garde photo shoots. Like there was like something that happened around 1980 um, that was really powerful. And a lot of those people are not that well known, but um, even like early Madonna, but I mean, even earlier than that um, is really interesting to look at that that was really impactful in terms of the fashion world and pop culture in a big way, but we didn't have the kind of media then like if that era had existed now and everyone could have seen it, it was um, really incredible. You know, like all the photo shoots with Grace Jones in the early eighties and all the artists that sort of like got into that milieu of doing those wonderful videos. Very few people saw them when you think of it in, in the, um, but it would be an interesting thing for you to research. I think you'd find it really fascinating. Um, because it was it was very powerful at the time. Yeah, the timing of how things how things have evolved. That was the perfect timing for those things to exist, though. Because I feel like now, if that was current, it would hit a different way. So that hit at the perfect time for you to see to create the path, the journey that happened. Exactly. Yeah. It was science. It was inspirational, and it was music. Yeah. It was motivated by music. So yeah, that was super cool. Yeah. I miss that time. I'm <laughs> sure. I really do. I, it was just, con- things were just consumed differently. And I, I think there's such a like powerful era there. That's just gone. I remember, I mean, I, that sounds really unhopeful, but I, and I, things are different and, and there are advantages to the technology that we have now for sure. I mean, like we can do this, this is great. Cause I remember technology. seeing like a Madonna music video and having to wait like 24 hours to see it again and trying to right. eat it up, make notes of everything I saw so that I yes. could copycat that when I did my dress up the next day, but then I, you couldn't just yeah. watch it again. No, you had it to, wasn't at your you had to wait for the next day when they would show it around it made it so much more like to me, it made it so much more special. You even think about television where if you missed an episode, you missed the episode and you didn't get to see it. That was it. And now we have different ways and it's great because, you know, you could watch something later, but like, there's something about the specialness that goes away because everything is so available to us at all times. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was definitely a time period that was, Yeah. Well, you know, right. you know who did a lot of those early videos was Marlene Stewart, the okay. costume designer. Yeah. So I, I think that's pretty interesting because, um, you know, she became, she and I are, are soulmates. She and I really have had an interesting, you know, we both were in Berkeley. We both had that life. And then we both sort of like fell into, you know, I was designing um, a dance company in Paris and she was doing Madonna and then how we ended up becoming costume designers in Hollywood is kind of interesting, you know? So, um, yeah, but we're both inspired by that. What a career. Are you in Chicago? Did you say? Yes. Did you, have you been to the friends experience? No, I, my, my brother is a huge friends fan and he went and he sent me a bunch of pictures and it looks awesome. I've yet to go though. Yeah. Someone went, someone sent me a picture when I, when we were asking our questions and they have like Joey's layered outfit that you can walk up and take a picture in front of, which I thought was super funny. So we yeah. should go do it. Yeah. Let's we go should do it. Do it. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun working with the, I worked with those guys 
and uh, they were great. And they have plans to do it in, I think, London, New York, California. And I think it's a great idea. And I, you know, I talked to them, you know, they're going to have, they have a store and products. And I said, you guys really should take it to another level, you know, and recreate and do some of these things. And then yesterday I had a, a Zoom with two, two boys in um, graduate school in uh, getting their MBA in Boston, who have a fantastic idea that they want to explore with me. And it was so great. It was like being with my kids. And I was like, oh, God, you guys, this is so fun. So um, I encourage them and we're going to talk every week. And um, they're really into it. And I think there's a chance these kids could pull it off. They seem super smart. Oh, So I said, okay, you you do all the stuff that I don't want to do. That would be great. And I'll do all the other stuff. I love your uh, taking the chance to listen to everyone and your openness to communicating with people and talking to everyone. It's so cool. It's such a nice thing to walk away with is how much you give back to these people that love talking to you. Like you're giving them the time and the energy. It's cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, you know, so Brad, much. You're so welcome. I mean, I get so much out of it. It's why I love to teach. I don't get to do it very often. I've done, I, I lecture a lot. I'll go like to RISD or Brown. I did it at Pratt and give lectures with film students and stuff. I love doing that. Um, but, um, but I don't get to do it very much. So um, this is a, a good way for me to quit kind of, cause I get so much from you guys too. But the rest of the day, I'm gonna have a smile on my face knowing that I got to talk to you. Like, so. Yeah, for sure. I'm like up <laughs> here. Week, who am I kidding? But yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, but yeah, it's like, who would have thought when I was seven years old, I'd get to zoom with you. So <laughs> great. Well, I'm now like- you have my email. And you guys can reach out whenever you feel like it. I'm just at the other end. We'll so. send you a picture from the friends exhibit. Yeah, we should go and <laughs> then go. we should post it yeah. when we do our episode. But thank oh, you thank so, you much. so much. Seriously, like, thank you thank for you. everything. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. For Appreciate your adorable time. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. We all know it's been a tough year for small business. That's why each week on our podcast, we'll be featuring a small business we love for free. Speaking of small business, you want to know what small business I love, Megan? Hattie B's. Hattie B's is located in Nashville, Tennessee, and is best known for its hot chicken. But my favorite Thanksgiving tradition is ordering their hot turkey. You can order a fried hot turkey fully cooked and ready to eat, and it's available for pickup on Thanksgiving Day. For more information, visit hotturkeys.hattiebee.com or call 615-982-6164. We just want to give a special shout out to Sean Schuyler for the music and producing this podcast. Please make sure to rate and subscribe. Also, follow us on Instagram at Lasting Looks Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving! I was going to gobble, but I don't think it's a good idea. Spare everyone. (laughs) Do you gobble? Gobble, gobble. (laughs) Gobble, gobble. (laughs) Our subscribers just tanked. Um, We've been canceled.